plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Welcome to our informational playground. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, where I try to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. The best shortcut in life, uh, if you'd like to live your dreams, is to know that you actually have already arrived. And the only way to get what you really want is to know what you really want. And the only way to know what you really want is to know yourself. So be yourself, your own authentic self, and listen to your heart. The Miracle Moment for today uh, is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. You can visit the website at bethestarur.org from John Lennon. And I've always loved this. Count your age by friends, not years. Count your life by smiles, not tears. So I don't know if any of you are going to be February birthdays, but if so, happy, happy birthday. It is now the year of the tiger, and so it is supposed to be a pretty terrific year. Well, what are we talking about in today's show? It is the season to prune your roses. So I, the goddess gardener, will be encouraging you to take on the task yourself. Do it joyfully because there are no mistakes to be made. So I'll show you how to get out your shears and your toppers and give their roses their winter cut. Also, are you working remotely? Is it time to go back into the office? The future of work is flexibility. And is there a way for a person working to be less stressful? This will be something interesting for both employers and employees because we want to figure out the best way to for the future for everyone. And if money was no object, would you buy a ticket on a rocket to outer space? Traveling to the outer limits of the universe requires physical and mental conditioning far more extreme than most people ever imagine. We're going to be shooting for the stars and talking about going into outer space. But right now, it is uh, Groundhog Day, and evidently, um, the groundhog, I guess his name is Punxsutawney Phil, he saw his shadow. And so that means that there's going to be six more weeks of winter. So after spending last year in quarantine due to the pandemic, Puxatani Phil was back at it again, celebrating Groundhog Day with thousands in Pennsylvania this morning. Uh, Evidently, the great weather predicting groundhog couldn't be stopped, forecasting six more weeks of winter after seeing his shadow during the annual spectacle at Gobbler's Knob in Puxatani. So back to normal for the first time since 2020, because uh, and evidently uh, thousands watched as Phil popped out of his burrow at 7.25 a.m. And it was unseasonally warm 40 degree weather. 
And of course, last year we were in quarantine uh, due to the uh, pandemic. So uh, Groundhog Day was, um, or or people, it was canceled as far as people in person. But um, the great weather predicting Groundhog couldn't be stopped. And uh, again, here we are with uh, Groundhog Day and knowing that we're going to have more um, more of winter. Now, how was Groundhog Day started? You might want to know a little bit of the background. It's, uh, it is a North American tradition observed in the United States and Canada today, February 2nd, but it actually derives from the Pennsylvania Dutch superstition that if a groundhog emerges from its burrow on this day and sees its shadow due to clear weather, it's going to retreat to its den and winter will go on for six more weeks. Now, if it does not see its shadow because it's cloudy, spring is going to arrive early. Now, why the tradition remains popular in the 21st century, studies have found absolutely no consistent correlation between a groundhog seeing its shadow and the subsequent arrival of spring-like weather. (laughs) So I think this is just kind of a fun thing. Now, the weather lore was actually brought from German-speaking areas where in Germany, it was the badger, which is called the Dach, um, and that was the forecasting animal. And this appears to be an enhanced version of the lore that clear weather on the Christian festival of Candlemas forebodes a prolonged winter. So I guess we will see. Here where I am in California, we have not had a drop of rain since December when we had one of those cyclones and um that uh, the river, you know, a site, what is it? The raging river, some kind of a raining river. And we had a lot of rain, but we haven't had any since then. So everything's starting to look dry. Um, I don't know what that means. We just hope that winter will start soon here. We need it in the Sierras. We need rain. We need snow. We need all of that because we don't want drought anymore. Now, it is time to prune roses. So I love Julie Andrews' quote, which is, I love to prune my roses. That's the only thing I really feel I do pretty well. Now, that's kind of a funny thing coming from Julie Andrews, who was just an amazing, amazing chanteuse, right? She's just a beautiful singer. So here in my garden, my roses are still blooming and the bushes are still filled with leaves, yet it's already February and it's time to do the heavy pruning. I got my grapevines already pruned, but I've been waiting for my roses to remember it's winter before I cut them back. You know, when they're blooming and they keep blooming, you just hate to cut them. So it used to be towards the middle to the end of January was the optimum weeks to prune roses here in our part of the world. But last year, I didn't prune until late February, and it looks like this year is going to be the same. So pruning any later than February, though, I need to caution you, will deplete the plant's energy, resulting in spindly shoots. So you want to actually get all your roses pruned, even if they're blooming. Now, I did start, I actually started yesterday pruning a few of my bushes, and I have a lot. Um, and since they're still blooming, I just cut the blooms and brought them in, and I made bouquets, and, and it looks, it's pretty. And I know that um, that the canes, it's going to be good to have these, you know, have these cut. 
Now, normally, once you prune your roses, again, I'm talking about uh, California or Western U.S. It's different all over the United States. Um, the the roses will usually be touting their fragrant flowers within a couple of months. Now, last year, when I pruned my roses, I gave over 100 canes of, of my uh, various roses, a lot of them award-winning roses, to my neighbor. And she put them in containers of potting soil, and she put three or four canes in there, and she watered them. It was amazing. By May, she was able to transplant those canes. They were already blooming. And these were, when I say canes, if you're not a gardener, it's basically just a stem of the rose bush. So it's like a stick, but a stem. And then, you know, you just um, put it in the ground and it grows. I, I just love roses. I think they are one of nature's super spectacular specimens. Fossil evidence in Oregon and Montana indicates that the rose dates back at least 35 million years, long before humans appeared on the landscape. Now, cultivation probably began in China more than 5,000 years ago. And in the 17th century, roses and rose water were used as payment for goods and barter. And then in the 18th century, China introduced cultivated roses to Europe. And then throughout history, roses have been used for perfume, for medicine, symbolism, and legal tender. And I know in the 20th century, my grandmother never used soap on her face. Her entire life, she made rose water. And that was the only thing she splashed on her face. And she had the most gorgeous, gorgeous skin. Uh, I only do it once in a while because it takes a long time to make the rose water. Now, for many years, I have had the privilege of chatting with various expert rosarians across the globe. And there's one piece of advice that is common to all, and that is the recommendation to lose the fear of pruning. And although there are guidelines for proper pruning, I got to tell you, if you make a mistake or you don't follow directions, most likely your rosebush is going to survive and thrive despite your best efforts to give it a bad cut. Now, what are the reasons uh, that you would want to prune? Uh, there's, they're really numerous, but I'm going to just give you five of them. So pruning does the following. It creates a plant that will flower with high quality blooms. It shapes the bush into an attraction that will fit within your gardenscape. It removes the dead wood and any diseased stems. It also removes canes that are weak or rubbing up against one another and it stimulates new growth. Now, I really feel that pruning is cathartic and it's good for the soul of humans. And it is a garden chore that I always encourage uh, my, my garden clients as homeowners or renters to do it themselves, as opposed to hiring someone to do this task. Tools of the trade are pretty simple. It, you need some heavy-duty garden gloves because those thorns are sharp. You need a sharp-edged pruning shear. And you need long-handled loppers for those really thick canes. And it's always a good idea to sterilize your tools in some alcohol before you begin the task. Um, and then just get up close and personal and start hacking away. Now, 
how are we, these are best practices for pruning, okay? As I said, most roses are not fussy when it comes to how they are pruned. Repeat flowering shrub and bush roses are absolutely the most forgiving. You could just, you know, hack them up and they will come back. English roses, hybrid teas, floribundas, patio miniatures, they can all be pruned in a similar manner. And the best thing to do is reduce their height by a third to two thirds, depending on how you want your plant to look and how tall you want the plant to grow. Now, thin stems um, aid in, uh, well, thin stems, uh, thin the stems to aid in disease control. So you don't want too many stems because you want good air circulation. Now, since the goal of climbing and rambling roses is to climb, um, climb over or to cover a pergola, a fence, or any other structure, you only want to do light pruning. A heavy pruning is not necessary because your goal is to keep these roses growing. Now, flowers are produced on side shoots, which can be reduced to two, three, four buds if you want depending on the appearance that you want. You, know, you have to think about how do you want it to look. Now, if you have to choose between cutting an old shoot or cutting a new shoot, always prune the old shoot and save the new shoot. Now, many of the old roses, like the gallicas, the damasks, and the albas, that only bloom once will only flower on shoots from stems that are at least a year old. So if you prune, these are called once flowering roses, too heavily, you will have no flowers. So when they're five or six years old and some of their stems are looking tired, then that's a good time to cut them out to encourage new growth and flowering. I have to admit, I'm not a fan of um, once flowering roses. I mean, I love them when they're flowering, but I don't buy them. I don't plant them because I want blooms all the time. Just like I said, it's February and my roses are still blooming and continuing to bloom. And that's what I want. I, I don't want to have to constantly be, you know, planting new things. Now, after you have pruned, um, offer the healthy canes of non-trademark species to friends or neighbors who would like to begin propagating roses or... You can cultivate a new rose garden for yourself by dipping the canes in a rooting hormone, then planting them in a container with a good quality potting soil. Clean up any leftover stems and then remove leaves from the bushes. Add all these to the compost pile. Now, if you have goats, uh, you can feed them to the goats because goats actually love roses. Or if you're in an area where you um, have a lot of deer and you want to just make a pile for the deer to eat, they will take care of it for you. Now, to add to your collection of roses, purchasing bare root and planting in February is a cost-saving way to go that will yield blooms in late spring. And once you've brought your bare roots home, what you want to do is get a bucket of water and then soak them overnight and then um, pull, take them out, take the plastic out uh, off of them, allow them to drain for 30 minutes before you plant them. But do never allow the roots to dry out. Uh, you wanna check the roots for any damage and trim as necessary. And if the roots look good, you don't have to trim or cut anything. Uh, uh, the kind of soil that roses like, they thrive in, in um, a hummus-rich, water-retentive soil. 
they like a pH of like 6.5. So choose a bright, sunny location, avoid of any competition for root space, like big trees and stuff. You want, um, you want to improve the soil with rotted manure and compost, and then dig a generous size hole. I suggest reading the directions on the package or the container that you buy to determine the optimum hole size for the rows that you are planting. If you can augment with um, mycorrhizal fungi to improve water supply and nutrients, that's a really good thing. Now plant the bud union two inches below ground level and then water well. And then in spring, you just want to add another layer of mulch or compost around each plant and then fertilize your roses and companion plant with lavender to encourage beneficial insects to be on pest patrol. And your roses will be lush and blooming and beautiful, probably just in time for your barbecues and patio picnics. And uh, definitely by Mother's Day, you'll be picking bouquets. So this will be a, a good thing. You could cut roses for your mom at the, you know, right from your garden. And also remember that miniatures make great gifts. Well, I probably have to get back to pruning my roses. Um, and I think I do it pretty well, too. So I will join Julie Andrews in that. Well, happy gardening and happy growing and happy rose pruning. So I hope that you can grow some beautiful roses. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. When we come back from break, we're going to do a return to the office and see what we can do to just make life a little less stressful. Stay tuned. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Be the star you are. The star you are. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. 
Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, we are back. I appreciate you staying with me. And we're talking about getting back to the office. Although, everything that I keep hearing about uh, this Omicron and the pandemic, it doesn't sound promising. It sounds like it that infections are up and more people are hospitalized and more kids are sick and all of that. However... Um, Offices are returning, or people are returning to offices, or employers are asking people to return. And it is a bit stressful for people who don't want to go back, but how can we make it less less stressful? And ever since the vaccines became widely available to adults in the U.S., the conversation in HR departments and C-suites really has centered on this topic. How and when are we going to get everyone back to the office. Now, um, people are frustrated. It's definitely going to be kind of a, a messy, unsatisfying for a while, but that doesn't mean that there aren't ways to address those feelings. So in for employers, let's uh, talk to employers first. What can employers do um, to help employees come back and feel safe? First of all, you've got to recognize that the future is going to be flexibility. So companies that are determined to go back in time to pre-COVID-19 norms, they're going to be in for a pretty harsh reality. Flexibility might involve any number of combinations of remote and in-person work, but many people have no desire to return to the way things were. So either you're going to fight that tide and watch people leave, or you're going to start grappling with the future now. And as we have uh, heard on all the news channels, this has been the biggest exodus of people uh, leaving jobs and changing jobs and, you know, some just starting their own businesses. Now, the second thing that an employer could do would be to solicit some feedback and really listen to it. Asking for feedback and then ignoring it is an absolute recipe for demoralization. And if you actually are interested in cultivating a flexible work environment that serves the best interest of the company, you have to actively listen. And then you have to act on what the employee opinions are. How are caretakers feeling? Parents of kids under five, new employees, have job descriptions changed? The more you think about, quote, unquote, back to the office as, quote, figuring out the future of flexible work for everybody, unquote, the more collaborative and satisfying the process will be. And a third thing would be having embracing flexible management as a skill. Managing people is hard. And even before the pandemic, 
most managers had little training in how to do it well. And managing people within sight every day is a different skill from managing people remotely. So there has to be some training involved and some support that will make good, flexible management possible. And much of the pandemic was spent cultivating patience as we tried to wing it under compounding forms of duress. But it's really time now to start figuring out sustainable systems for how we're going to work moving forward. And that would include management. Now, what about workers? Okay, so for workers, we have to acknowledge the discomfort. Um, No person is a rubber band that can just bounce back to a previous way of doing things, especially if an office has a commute or other stresses. Um, Maybe there's no childcare or definitely the fear of COVID-19 exposure, you know, uh, with this uh, rapidly spreading Omnicon variant that is infecting people who have had, you know, been double vaxxed and boosted. So you have to, as a worker, work with your manager to figure out how to not only acknowledge whatever distress is arising, but also to give yourself some space to process this. And that might mean including a weekly check-in or some kind of scheduled paid time off to let yourself absorb the changes. The important thing is to speak up and have that conversation. The other thing you could do is to identify your rhythms. Now, when you are... um, When you are working, what is your best time for concentration? Are you a morning person? Are you an afternoon person? Are you an evening person? Uh, Do you like your door closed? Are you comfortable in an open situation? You know, how how, uh, do you do your best work? When is the time that you do your deep work concentration? Do you have certain hours? Is it, you know, 10 to noon, two to four? So you want to find out What is your best time? And the other thing is your best location for any kind of work. Now, I can just give something from me and even just from home. I really can't work if I'm sitting on the couch or sitting at the kitchen table or any of that. I literally have to go into, I have a designated office library that's only mine in my home and that's where all my work is. And that's the only place I can really concentrate. I can shut the door, lock the door and really get my work done. So that's, it's important if you're that kind of person that you can't be around other people that you bring that up. You might have already been doing some of this to some extent during the pandemic, but by reopening the office, this is gonna give you as an employee a chance to revisit what works best for your schedule and how can your work be more meaningful. And if you are going to be working from home some days, how can you create, you know, on and off times so that you're not on 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And can you block spaces in your calendar for lunch that isn't spent in front of the computer? And that's something hard when you're working from home is you really, you know, you've, you've got the refrigerator there, but you also have your workload. And it's challenging to think, okay, I've really got to get this done. I'll just grab something and eat at my desk. But how about just giving yourself 20 minutes 
to go sit outside, get a little fresh air, maybe some sunshine that we all need for our vitamin D. And, you know, eat your salad, your sandwich, your smoothie, whatever you're going to eat um, away from your desk so that you're giving yourself a little break. And then you have to reserve the right to look elsewhere. How your company handles the transition back to the office is indicative of how it handles everything. So if people in charge completely ignore your concerns, if the guidelines that they're providing feel really arbitrary, there are other organizations that are looking. Now, obviously, no job is perfect, but some jobs, particularly at companies committed to figuring out a way forward in this new flexible reality, are, are, are better than others, and it might be better for you. Now, obviously, there are many jobs that cannot be done um, from home. You know, I mean, if you're going to go to the dentist, <laughs> the dentist can't do a Zoom call and uh, fix your teeth. So that means staff for the dental office, they have to be in the office because you have to have somebody clean your teeth, all those kind of things. Now, medical, you can. there are a lot of diagnoses that um, there's telehealth right now, which is good for simple things. And so uh, maybe some of those could be done from home. But in general, when it comes to the medical field, uh, that's going to be in person. And the same thing um, in food service or hospitality. So there are a lot of different uh, opportunities out there, but this is a really good time for you as an employee to look at your checklist and decide, you know, do I love what I'm doing? Am I happy here in this job? Uh, am I making the income I need? How stressed am I? Uh, is there anything that I can ask for that could make me more productive and therefore a more valuable employee. And at the same time, uh, it would make me happier and more fulfilled. So it, as hard as it is to stand up for yourself and to speak out, it really, this is the time to do it. So make sure that you do do it and uh, get you can, when you are back to work, whether it's in the office or flexible or at home, that you are happy and you've carved out some time for yourself. Well, that's the, this is all for this segment. We'll have a business bite uh, when I come back. And after that, I'm going to talk about shooting into outer space and what it involves. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I will be right back. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. talk about embracing change. What do you do when you're asked to lead a change for something you're resistant to? Changes come from external sources like new regulations, new competitors, board of directors, bosses, or like what we're going through now, pandemic. Well, make sure you understand it. 
Ask questions to get a full picture of the change situation. And always ask with an open mind. Get the why. Yes, you must understand the what's and how's of the change, but it is the why that matters most. Then find the benefits. How will you or your team benefit? Once you really see the benefits, you may change your view and actually embrace this change. Remember the power of the converted. Often the most powerful champion of a change is someone who was once opposed to it. As your perspective changes, remember how you felt initially, because that is how some of your team members may be feeling about it too. Your new perspective is even more powerful and persuasive because of the steps you've taken to come to that acceptance. Then put your concerns in perspective. Don't assume anything. Put everything in perspective. And finally, let it go. Change normally is a step forward and it will move on with or without you. So let go and support the change. Remember that not changing is like moss and that might be signaling death. When you take these steps, you'll be less resistant and more able to lead the change. And because you've done this exercise for yourself, you're in a better position to help your team members Get to the acceptance and support of the change. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. The star you the annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business well, I am back, and me. before we shoot for the stars, though, I just wanted to tell you, um, about part of my day-to-day because I have been cleaning out the barn 
And you'll be hearing a lot about my barnyard in weeks and months to come because I am in the process of writing a new children's picture book series. Now, this will be the first time that I'm actually doing children's picture books uh, with an illustrator, and I am so excited about it. I'm, I just, I'm really excited. And all the stories in the book uh, will be true stories that happened in the barnyard, but of course the animals are going to be speaking. And the name of the book is Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventures. So I'm hoping that you will be excited about it as I am. But cleaning out the barn today, it was a little overwhelming and awful because there were some rats in there that had made nests and there were baby rats. And I am just, I do not like rats. And I do have feral cats that live on the property and they keep rats away from the house and, you know, garage and sheds and all that. But for some reason, they're not going in the barn. And I, some, I have to train them to go in the barn and do their job because that was not fun. That wasn't fun. But anyway, the barn is now spick and span and clean and everybody is doing well. So that's <laughs> another, but that'll probably end up being another story in uh, Stella Bella's barnyard at some point. So let's talk about going to space. Uh, would you be willing to board a rocket? I mean, and where could you buy a ticket to space? Now, I imagine that we just have to assume that we have unlimited money because otherwise, if you if you didn't have unlimited dollars, um, it would be pretty hard to get to space. But space tourism for everyday traveler is becoming more of a reality every day. So you, too, might one day touch space. Now, right now, the suborbital space flights are costing at least $250,000 for a seat, which I don't know. I don't. I really actually don't know anybody that um, has that money to do that. But I know that they're out there. But as they start um, becoming more common, that amount will likely, you know, it will likely change. It'll likely disappear and be less expensive. And then people are going to be able to go into outer space. So um, that's kind of an exciting thing. Now, space flight companies, Space Perspective, is planning to fly customers to the edge of space in a high-tech version of like a hot air balloon starting in 2024. Now, they are giving you a bargain price of $125,000 per person. Launches that actually reach the orbit, like the one William Shatner took with SpaceX last fall, those can cost up to $58 million, though Shatner's seat was paid for. So I, I guess, you know, maybe Elon paid for that. I don't know. Now, during the past several years, NASA has been working with private companies to develop space stations with the latest technological advances and eventually will retire the International Space Station. But in the meantime, rocket launches are becoming more frequent as we explore what life might look like on other planets. So there is a schedule for 2022, 
But you have to keep in mind that launches can often be delayed due to weather and or last minute equipment adjustments. Now, if you would rather admire space from the ground, there are many, many great air and space museums in the United States that let you see spacecraft up close, including the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, DC. And for those who just love stargazing, you can search by state for a planetarium that is near you. And I think that's kind of, that all sounds pretty, that's all sounds, you know, kind of pretty fun. So um, I just was going to tell you a couple of space launches that are going to be happening because one is scheduled for tomorrow at 10, 5, 13 a.m. on the Falcon 9, which is a SpaceX. And another one is scheduled for February 5th. So this month, there's quite a few. And that's Rocket 3, and that is Astrospace. And it's going to go from Cape Canaveral. Uh, the, the SpaceX is the, uh, is, um, it's the LC-39A, going to go from Florida as well. And then on February 19th, um, the, the name of the rocket is Antares, and that's from Northrop Grumman, and it is going to go from Virginia. I didn't even know they were going from Virginia. And then we go into March, there's going to be the Atlas V, which is the United Launch Alliance. And then we go back to Falcon 9 and with SpaceX on March 30th, and Falcon 9 actually is going to do a few in in March, and they haven't all been scheduled yet, um, as well as the Atlas V is going to be doing another one. So it's rather interesting. There There is a, a website called rocketlaunch.live that if you're interested in finding out when all these starships are going to be leaving, uh, you know, check it out because it has, it actually has the dates and it tells you who the crew is and it's kind of kind of fun to look at that. So you might want to check that out. Um, and then as far as air, the air, uh, space and aviation museums in the United States, there are top 10 of those um, museums that you may really find interesting. If you're near Chantilly, Virginia, the Stephen F. Udvar Hazy Center is there. It's supposed, I have not been there, but they call it an incredible space center. And it is actually part of the National Air and Space Museum, although it is located in Virginia and not in Washington, D.C. And you can see all sorts of major space and airplane artifacts there, including the Space Shuttle Discovery and a Blackbird plane. And there's also an IMAX theater there. Now, of course, I already mentioned the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. If you haven't been there in person, you probably saw it in the movie Night in the Museum, too. And it is a very cool museum. It's in the Smithsonian. And you can visit an entire exhibit um, on the advent of flight, including the original Wright Brothers creations. Uh, and you get to step into space and go nose to nose with famous planes you know, and experience the history of flight. So that's definitely one that would be uh, very fun if you're going to be in Washington, D.C. Now, uh, the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum is in New York, New York. 
And this is a museum that is actually about all things transportation, with the notable exception of land transport. Here you can learn about travel on the water and in the air through interactive displays and very creative exhibits. And you can discover how trade and war drive the development of new um, modes of transport from Asian barges to European fighter jets. And there are also real aircraft carrier and a space shuttle, among other vessels of the sea. Now, a lot of people have been to Kennedy Space Center in Orlando, Florida, and this probably is one of the coolest museums in the country because it really isn't a museum. It's actually part of the active space station. So if you time your visit right, you could actually watch a real rocket launch into space. And if you can't, um, can't catch a real rocket, a rocket launch, then you might actually get to meet an astronaut but you, or check out other space shuttles, or maybe you could even go on a, a simulator, which would be interesting. Another fun one is the Space Center in Houston, Texas. This is Houston's huge space center. It does have something for everyone. And of course, uh, one of the most fascinating exhibits is called Mission Mars. And you, you can step inside this exhibit and you can touch a piece of Mars and learn what it takes to travel to other planets. And then when you're done seeing Mars, you can visit Mission Control. Uh, you can go to a seminar that will be led by a real astronaut. And so there's a lot of things to do there. In Nebraska, this is one I didn't know about. There's this Strategic Air Command and Aerospace Museum in Ashland, Nebraska. And this is a, one of these museums that if you love airplanes, you're going to love it because most of the previous museums that I just talked about are all about space exploration. But this one is, puts a spotlight on air travel. So you're going to find the history of airplanes and you can learn about the people, the places, the planes that made airspace come alive and they have sound and motion. And you get to actually go inside historic airplanes and you could see what it's like to fly a, fire, a fighter jet over the ocean. And if you're a World War II junkie, you will really like the, um, the exhibits there. Another one is in Huntsville, Alabama. And this is the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. And this, is, this center has one of the largest rocket collections in the world. And the exhibits are designed to move you sequentially through the story of the space race. So you will actually get immersed in the narrative of space travel until you feel like you are part of it. And when you're done, you can go outside to Rocket Park and Shuttle Park. And that's where two spacecraft collections um, will definitely inspire you. Now, there's something else in Hutchinson, Kansas. So we're now in the middle of, of the United States. And it is called the Cosmosphere Science Education Center and Space Museum. And <laughs> I had never even heard the word Cosmosphere until I came upon this museum. But it really is an awesome place for both kids and uh, adults because it, there they have state-of-the-art technology, 4K projection, digital dome theater that shows educational uh, movies that are also really fun. And then they have a planetarium, so you can get all of that star information. 
Now, you, I love the San Diego Air and Space Museum in San Diego, California. It, it has a lot of museums. And you, you really, if you're in San Diego, make sure you go and visit that because it has um, a replication of the Wright Brothers plane. It has a real command module from the Apollo missions. And there's always something going on there. They always have an event or um, some kind of um, exhibits that are different. Now, going to Arizona in Tucson, there's the Pima Air and Space Museum, and it's on 80 acres of desert land. You can hang out inside the museum to see the exhibits that are filled with flight memorabilia, or you can go and tour six hangars to see all this really incredible collection of airplanes, including President Johnson's Air Force One, an SR-71 spy plane, and a 1927 biplane. And um, then they also have a boneyard of, um, of planes. So I think that, you know, these are the kind of the 10 best aviation museums in the United States where both adults and kids can really have some fun. And no matter where your next vacation takes you, maybe that would be a good thing because you could be, you know, you could be uh, distanced from other people. Now, uh, traveling to space requires physical and mental conditioning beyond what you might do to train for a marathon. But even if you aren't planning a space flight, you might want to start getting some astronaut training so you can use it to for enjoyment for any trip. Because astronauts have to be at the top of their game, mentally and physically, to compete and complete the necessary task when they're aboard a rocket. So being mentally sharp and in good physical shape ahead of your travels will help you on your trip if you're traveling as well. And um, astronauts have to be very engaged in the moment. I mean, can you imagine being on board a rocket, and uh, which is a new travel experience, is the same, right? Uh, it could be once-in-a-lifetime journey, and you probably are going to want to take some pictures. And if you want to experience weightlessness, you could uh, actually book a, a zero-G flight, prepare ahead of time, just as you would for any other trip. But that might be fun to just experience, you know, zero gravity. And then you need to take some time to relax and decompress. That will be the next step. Because during stressful situations, you can take deep breaths to help ground you and reset your mindset and your mood. And, of course, if you're going to go on a rocket, you want to savor the view and soak in that exceptional moment because it will be over before you know it. And if you are really interested in getting any astronaut training, you can get um, astronaut training experience in Florida. And you could do that by uh, having this go to space camp in Hensville, Alabama, or the Space Center in Houston, or in Florida. Um, and you could be part of the next generation of space explorers that will prepare for humans' deep space travel. Now, uh, these programs run about four to five hours. They usually cost, they're usually a little less than a couple hundred dollars. And if you go to the website, kennedyspacecenter.com, you will be able to find um, 
astronaut training experience. And I think it would be a pretty fun thing to do, especially for kids. I think that might be something that, you know, maybe that would be the next a good trip for the family to do some space training. Um, and there's just a couple things that space tourists should know before traveling to space because uh, obviously you ha your only job on the flight is to kick back, relax, and enjoy the ride. But you want to make sure you're physically and mentally fit. And that means you better get some exercise. The G-forces experienced on a launch and re-entry are not as intense as you might think. So it's not as bad as you see in the movies, but you do want to be prepared. And, uh, and if you're going to, pre to prep for weightlessness, you should book a zero-G flight and, you know, get that zero-G training. You might want to learn how to scuba dive because that's how it feels, you know. And then come up with a game plan for your few minutes in space that is costing you $250,000. And have somebody else take a photo because you don't want to worry about taking your own photos and remember, you might get dizzy because when you get to zero G. Uh, now, if you're going to go and spend a few days in space, you have to be prepared for bumps and bruises. Uh, and uh, doctors have said it's funny watching rookie astronauts the first day or two on a mission because they're like a bull in a China shop. They push off with full force and they crack their skull or their knee. And you're going to make a mess. And if you're going to do a spacewalk, then it's definitely the stakes are much higher. So there's lots of things you can do to prepare for going into space. And I don't think any of us are going to be doing it anytime soon unless we become a billionaire. But it definitely sounds fun. And definitely check with your doctor, right, <laughs> before you go to make sure you will be healthy enough. Well, that's our show for today. I hope that the last segment offered a little bit of fun and dreaming of space travel. Thank you for being with me here every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. And this is the Empowerment Channel. For more information about me or Star Style Productions, please visit CynthiaBryan.com. If you'd like to get involved with a charity or get your kids involved with a charity uh, or even with the Express Yourself Teen Radio Show, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And while you're there, why don't you make a donation? Every penny counts. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate See beyond your physical being. Know you are already the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate each moment of your life because it is all we have. And until next Wednesday, when we play again on the Star Style Playground, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self and have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference and happy new year, the new year of the tiger. Rawr. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are. 
been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.